you were here last Sunday, you know that we are continuing in the Gospel of Mark and picking up where we left off last week. What happened last week was Jesus sent the disciples on their mission, the mission of the Twelve as it's called, and then we talked instead not about that mission but about the story that Mark inserts in the middle of that. But now the disciples are back and this is what happens next. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, are we going to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. <coughs> Then Jesus ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves, of fish, of five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. They took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of and, and of the fish, those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. We're going to take a different look at this story today, O oh Lord. We ask that you guide us in that, in this time, in this moment. Crack us open that we may hear your word. And perhaps be challenged by it. Shaped by it. Dwell with us in such a way by your Holy Spirit that we may recognize you. And go out into the world refreshed with good news. In Christ's name, amen. Her Uber ride to the airport pulled up in front of her house and with a great big smile on her face, she grabbed her stuff and went out and got into the car and she was so excited. She had been waiting for this trip, this vacation for a long time time and now here it is she'd been working 
hard, working her fingers to the bone, working day in, day out, nonstop, without a break, and all she wanted was just to take a little rest. She needed just a, a rest from all the responsibilities and commitments in her life, and now here it was, thank God. And so far, everything was going just great. The Uber driver showed up on time. She got in, they get out, they head to the airport. There's no traffic on the streets. Everything's going smooth. Everything's great. Gets to the airport, goes through security with the breeze, no problems, just wonderful. Not a problem in the world. She's feeling wonderful until she gets to the gate, looks up at the monitor, and the flight's been delayed for five hours. Ah, why me? Why now? Of all the times, disgusted, she crawls into the nearest chair she can find and sits down in a big huff. The guy sitting next to her notices all this and tries to help out, looks at her and says, are you on the delayed flight too? She gives him that look, you know. I don't want to talk to anyone right now. She thinks to herself, I really don't want to. I don't, all I want to do is get on the plane and go to the beach and get away from it and sit there and do nothing just for a little while. Just that's all I want. I don't have time to meet someone new. But the guy's been nice to her, so she musters, puts herself together and turns again to him and says, yes. You too, and they start a conversation. Ten years later, that's the story they both tell about how they first met before they began dating, before they got married. They laugh every time they say it. If that flight had not been delayed, then we never would have even known each other existed. We never would have begun that conversation. We're sure of it because we don't begin conversations when things are typically going smooth. We usually stay quiet, but we were just, and it just was one of those, it became something more than we ever expected it to be. It was, as they would put it, a divine interruption. You know, something that becomes so much more than what you think it is at the time. A divine interruption. You ever have one of those happen? It doesn't have to end up in marriage or anything like that, but something like that. Something that's just maybe a frustration or something that comes in unexpected in your life that you weren't planning on and it ends up becoming so much more. Divine interruption. The disciples had been working their fingers to the bone. They'd been going nonstop since the very moment Jesus called them and asked them to come, become part of this ministry, that this effort that they were now part of. Ever since then, they'd been working nonstop, not a day off, not a break. They'd been doing everything, making sure Jesus had whatever he needed in order for things to be right. You know, they'd go ahead to the town where they were headed and secure a place to stay and make sure they had enough supplies for the journey. They'd organize the crowds when they came to hear Jesus teach and preach. Are you in the right spot? There's some space over here. Can you hear what he's saying? They'd manage everything. They even did background checks on the people who came to Jesus needing healing just to make sure it was a legitimate request. They'd just gotten back from a mission of their own. They were 
tired. They were exhausted. They needed a break. And finally, Jesus tells them the words that they've been waiting for all this time. He says, let's get in the boat, go off by ourselves together and rest a while. Yes! You must feel it by this point. Yes, you know that feeling when you've done a lot of work and all of a sudden you get to just sit still. Yeah. And so far, everything had been going just great. They got into the boat. There was no traffic on the lake. They make their way just casually up the shoreline. It's all good. Everybody's in a good spirits. You know, they have enough supplies. They got from one place to the next. It was all just smooth as silk. Not a problem in the world until they got to shore and they look up and they see the crowd. Oh, oh, I can't talk to another person. I'm exhausted. I, in fact, can see the disciples huddling together and trying to figure out what to do about this new problem. The people who'd somehow figured out a way to get ahead of them. <clears throat> I see them huddling together, beginning this conversation, you know, and Jesus somewhere over here because they don't want him to hear them. What are we going to do about this? We've got to get past this crowd. I'm tired. I can't talk to another person. Yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm just about to cry. You can just hear them all. What do you think Jesus is going to do? He even looks tired and he never gets tired. He's starting to even forget some of the stuff he's, he's telling stories twice. <laughs> what do we do? What do you, I don't know. What do you think? Maybe he'll ignore them. Yeah, maybe he'll ignore them. Like that time when we first went to our first place with him together. You remember that? At the beginning of Mark, there's this story about how they go to Simon's house and he heals Simon's mother-in-law and the word gets out, right? And the whole town ends up coming to the house and crowding in on the door as the translation says. And, but the next morning, Jesus goes off to pray by himself to pray and rest. And the disciples, the people are coming and the next morning they're there and they're looking for him. They can't find him. So they finally find him and they say, you've got to get back here. Things are happening. We need to heal. This is a real deal going on. And he says, no. We're not going to help them anymore. We're going to move on to the next town. So I can see them bringing that experience into this one and saying, oh, maybe, maybe he'll do that. Maybe he'll ignore them. We'll just walk right through them and stick to the plan of taking a break. Someone look at Jesus and see if you think that's what he's going to do. Who, who'll do it? I'll do it. I'll look at him. All right, are you ready? Here I go. I don't think he's going to stick to the plan. No. Definitely not. We're going to be here for a while. You know, they had to be really frustrated with this interruption. Little did they know, though, what starts off as an interruption ends up becoming the most arguably famous story of all of Jesus' ministry. The feeding of the 5,000. Everyone knows that story. All four Gospels tell it. Two Gospels tell it twice. Feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. All kinds of scholars. They've created job security for scholars. They argue about whether that really happened or not. No, I just like to think that two of them told it twice because they think it's such a famous story. People need to hear it more than once. It had to be frustrating at the time. After all, they needed a break. They couldn't do anymore. They were exhausted. They were completely 
worn out. I see them just in this conversation creating their resistance, their plan, you know, discussing it. What are we going to do about this? Clearly, Jesus is going to teach them things. It looks like he has compassion like a shepherd, you know. I used to like the word compassion. I don't anymore. (laughs) What are we going to do? Let's make sure we move this thing along. Right, I can see. Let's make sure we just get this thing over with as quickly as possible, which may be why you see the resistance from the disciples throughout the story of the feeding of the 5,000. When they find their window, they nominate one of them to go tell Jesus, it's getting late and we're in a remote place. Let's send all the people into town to get their food so that we can go on our rest. You know, Well, no, you feed them. We don't have 200 denarii to feed them bread. Maybe maybe that'll work. Keep going, keep going. How much do we have? You're driving me crazy. We have two, five loaves, two fish. That'll be enough. Had to be extremely frustrated with this intrusion to their plans. It was a divine interruption. Something that became so much more than what it felt like at the time. Jesus Christ is the divine interruption. Quite often in life, it's not our plans that become great, but the little interruption that can become filled with divine purpose. But you have to be open to them. This would never have happened if if the disciples had not been at least open to it. However reluctantly, they at least were open to it. This would never have happened had Jesus not had compassion on the crowd and changed the plan. It never would have happened. Have to be open to it. Divine interruptions. For the past number of years, this church has been trying to figure out who we are out here in the middle of the suburbs of Northeast Dallas and Richardson. Ever since moving out here 15 years ago, been trying to figure that out. All kinds of plans were made. And ever since moving, it's been an energizing and frustrating process. Been throwing things at the wall again and again to see what sticks and what doesn't. It's both energizing and frustrating. Plans were interrupted. Things were in, don't know. It's just this process that's just taken energy and time and emotion. And who are we out here? And then a couple of weeks ago, a thought, a suggestion, a challenge. Rather than try and embrace some new identity, why not embrace what God has been doing with this church all along? Why not embrace the fact 
that we are a church filled with people from all kinds of political persuasions, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of opinions that don't agree about how the world should look and how things should function. And yet we come here seeking faith in Christ together. We are, as I've started describing it, a purple church. On August 21st, we're going to begin a series that looks into what that actually might mean for us. One thing I can tell you is if we're going to embrace an identity like that, it's going to challenge us. It's going to challenge us to rethink how we look at ourselves, how we look at other people, how we treat one another, perhaps even how we view God, should we embrace it. But that's not the question for us today. The question for us today is the same question that faced the disciples those many years ago as they got off the boat and looked up and saw the crowd. The same question that faced that young lady in the airport whose flight got delayed and her plans got thrown out of whack. Whatever expectations, whatever understandings we bring to this as part of the challenge of the question we face today, which is this, is it simply another blip on the radar that we move past, or is this in fact a divine interruption? God's merciful way of moving into our lives and forging us into the people he would have us be. Which one is it? I guess we'll find out. But we must be open to it. We have to be open to it. Don't we? Amen.